<laughs> this build a bunch of <laughs> Welcome back to the show. Um, oh my God, I guess my line. Welcome back to the show. We're about to learn the secret sauce. All right. So yeah, secret sauce, it's an opportunity for us to talk to maintainers, founders about their open source strategy, how they started. Uh, VConf, you guys have been doing a great job with VConf. Thanks. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's a great, like, it, it's great what you're doing with the community, but also it makes so much sense for what you're building. But before we jump into that, could you just like introduce yourself to the audience and tell us who Eric is? Totally. Um, yeah. So I'm Eric, uh, Eric Simons. I'm the co-founder and CEO of StackBlitz. Um, StackBlitz is a instant web-based IDE. So if you, you know, think of, you know, if you are, you know, the coworkers like, Hey, can you review my pull request? Normally you have to like stash your changes locally. And like, it's this whole process. Wouldn't it be great if you could just have one click and just boom in your browser instantly, uh, kind of like Figma, you know, just crack a link open, yep. you're in it. You can do that code review. You can just throw out the tab when you're done. Or if you want to create a pull request, you have to like pull down the repo. Um, so that's what StackBlitz is, just very, very uh, fast web-based IDE. It's used by a lot of open source projects. So um, if folks, usually people are like, what is StackBlitz? And we like tell them, they're like, I think I've seen that. And it's like, yeah, you yeah. probably ran across an open source project in the docs where you like clicked a link that said like run this yep. code in StackBlitz. And perfect sort of perfect so. use case too as well. When I go through a tutorial and someone has a StackBlitz like link in the tutorial or the guide inside of GitHub, it's like I, I know I can actually start <laughs> doing stuff rather than like, clone it, run it, Docker image, whatever. Totally. It's like that's, Docker's done a lot for us and like containers have done a lot for us. But like, if I could just run this in the t browser tab. Yeah. Beautiful. It's, it's, it's really handy. Right. And it's cause I mean, if you look at, you know, this is kind of the impetus of, um, you know, why, and so and what's kind of interesting about stack is cause like web-based IDs are like not a new thing. Yeah. Right. I think the first one was like cloud nine back in 2009, <laughs> yes. 2010. Yep. And, 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 but the way everyone has done it in the past is like when you click that link to like open a cloud nine instance or code space or whatever the new things are, um, it's not actually like running it in your browser. It's actually like spinning up a VM in the cloud that you're, you're, browsers it's really not your browser's not doing anything it's like a glorified text area yeah that as you type keystrokes in it has to like send that to the server that does the work and then sends it back and so kind of the problem with that model though these things have never really caught on right and it's like because there's a couple of issues is one you're introducing latency so for like web development like ui it, you want like instant feedback yeah. loops. I mean, people, you know, these, these open source tools are like competing to like a ridiculous degree on how fast is your HMR time? Like, oh, it's like, you know, 17 milliseconds, it's 10 yeah. mil, you know, it's just crazy, right? But if you're syncing that to a server and back, it's like, you know, you're adding seconds onto that trip, round trip. But then usually you also have to pay by the minute to use these things because yeah. someone's got to pick up the cost of this thing. Um, so if, for those reasons, these things haven't really taken off. And, um, but if you look at like Figma or Google Docs, these like other productivity tools that have yeah. worked, when you open a Figma link, they're not spinning up a VM to like render that thing on your screen. Uh, they're actually running that, that entirely in your browser using your GPU, your memory, your CPU. And, um, and so that's actually the same approach Stackbits uses. And so we're like the first folks that really have been able to do this in a meaningful way where you can actually run an entire operating system inside of your browser tab. So it's like super fast, super instant. Um, I can't remember what the heck I was gonna tie that into today. So <laughs> that, that was, the, that, that's like really the thing that makes Stackbits super unique is you can just open these, like, you know, for these open source projects, you don't have to like sign in to use Stackbits. You can just use it anonymously. Yeah. Um, Cause it's just using your own local, your own local CPU memory to do the job. And it's super fast. It boots like a couple, you know, a couple hundred milliseconds. Or yeah, and the, you know? the, the use case that I, the use case is the, the tor tutorial that I, Sorry, let me take this back. Back. My introduction to StackBlitz is through these tutorials that people would just throw StackBlitz on. The best use case of these tutorials was when Nader Dabit put a like Web3 course together. 
And part of that course is like, don't worry about all this sort of blockchain stuff. Let's just run this and it will work. And I was like, wow. Every time I tried to do any sort of Ethereum blockchain, build a DAP or whatever, it's like, oh, what, I got to install this. Oh, it's been like six months. I got to do yeah. this. No one uses that anymore. But having a full on setup where I can just be successful yeah. <laughs> while learning this thing, uh, absolute beautiful experience, which is it the, the power behind under the hood web container, right? Yeah. That's the, the tool. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. Can you talk about like what is web container and like the, the associated the web assembly? Yeah. Yeah. So um, web container is this thing that we built and it, it was kind of like this giant bet, um, this giant technology bet we made. And so I think it was like back uh, I think we started the project in like 2018, 2019. So we built the first version of Stackblitz. We launched it in uh, August of 2017. And it was kind of like at that time, what we had figured out was like, the, again, the key realization was that we were like, wow, browsers have gotten really powerful and it should be possible actually to run at least some parts of your dev environment in a browser yeah. tab, right? And because uh, we look at all the tools out there, like Webpack and then PM back in like 2016, you know, it was like, oh, these are all written in JavaScript. It's, it's like targeting no, but like, we could probably like hack these or like kind of strip them down to run in a browser. And so that's the first version of Stackwitz was this kind of, um, it was like, we, we got like a baby version of NPM and a baby version of Webpack running in a browser tab. Yeah. It was like really fast and like, and so people, you know, started to adopt it and it was adopted by a lot of open source projects. Um, and we learned a lot by by building that, the, the V1 of Stackblitz. And we had this realization a, a year or two in like 2018 or 2019, we were like, oh, wow, actually, with the advent of like WebAssembly and service workers and you know a handful of other things, it actually should be possible now um, to not just kind of you know custom create these Webpack like a version of Webpack and npm, but actually go a level deeper and and uh, create like a micro operating system in WebAssembly yeah. that is capable of running all of Node.js on top of that, and then you can just run any tool chain full yeah. stack even because with service workers you it's, it's effectively you know, way of uh, running a server in a browser, in a sense, uh, you do a lot of, there's a lot of crazy stuff we had to do to, yeah, to make this Yeah, I, I built but... a Chrome extension or two. Like <laughs> I, I've, I've learned how to, how to finagle the system. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And um, anyway, so, so, so what, what web container is, is just, it's like a, a you know, instant booting micro operating system um, that, that can run inside of a browser, right? Inside of a, a you know, a, a tab in your browser. And, and it can, you know, we've been able to make this, uh, you know, run Node.js, wholesale with all of the different package managers and tool chains and et cetera. Um, and so, so that's really the, the main thing that Stackblitz, uh, probably the biggest technical innovation that, that we've made. And it took us, I mean, I, we started the project in, I think the, like, I think literally January of 2019, it took us two and a half years to ship the absolute bare bones thing working, um, in 2021. And, and only last year we marked it stable in Chrome and, and, and it literally yesterday was when the first day that we, we announced that it's working in Safari. So it's just, wow. it's finally, finally we're working across all browsers and devices and et cetera. Um, cause it was just really on the cutting edge of like what you can do in a browser engine. You know? That's wild. That's uh, like some time invested in there. Huge. It was, I yeah. mean, it was a huge risk. Like, and so when you, when you kind of look at, um, uh, there's this, uh, like a, maybe a side tangent, but like, you know, from like an investment point of view, cause Stackwitz is like a, is a company, right? And so yeah. when we, when we went and raised money, the, the, the type of investment this is kind of classified as, or at least at that time, it was, it, it's a kind of a classic deep technology play where with like a deep technology uh, play, the, the risk is all front loaded where it's the, the commercial viability is, is much less it, that it's much less risky, assuming the technical stuff can actually be possible. But back in 2019, we, you know, 
we we would talk to people that were you know experts in javascript or node or whatever and you have your browsers and they thought we were nuts <laughs> yeah. you know they're like there's no way this will work and um and, and we were like it might not who knows like we really had no idea um so it, it, and, and then it was like, okay, we got working in Chrome. How about Firefox? Ugh. And then <laughs> Firefox last year. And then this year, like Safari, maybe, you know, and, um, anyway, so it's been, it's been fun to, it's, it's been the biggest long bet I've ever worked on in my career. I think most of the people at the company, um, this kind of four year, you know, running long bet on this thing. Um, it, can can yeah. we take a step back into like, how did you get to this point? Like your career prior to StackBlitz? Yeah. Uh, so like, you mentioned your your co-founder is a, a friend of yours from back in the day. You both learned how to code. Yep. Uh, at thirteen. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So like thirteen to what were you building? Like, what were you building? WordPress pages or whatever? Yeah. Like, I, I, God, I, it, it, even 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 more ugly is was spaghetti PHP <laughs> okay. and you know jQuery. <laughs> but but yeah. So so Albert Pye, he's a, a co-founder of Stack with CTO. And uh, and Albert and I have been uh, you know childhood best friends since we I think um, we, we we I think we met each other in, in middle school we were playing football together or something, and I, I think the I think the, the, the Al, or Albert's first memory of me is is me axing a whole bunch of people in the the you know junior high uh, locker room <laughs> after yeah. football practices or something. But anyway, so Albert and I became friends. We actually he lives down the street from his parents still live down the street from my parents um, in Naperville, Illinois, suburb of Chicago. Naperville. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and. Um, uh, so yeah, so Albert and I, when we were yeah, about 13, like he and I were super into building computers, um, like PCs and that sort of thing. And we kind of like at Mac, you can only do that so many times before it's like, it's, it's, it, you're just putting a memory stick in, you're putting a different graphics card in. it's, it, it, it's fun, but it's just, you, you're kind of limited. And then, so we kind of turned our attention to software cause that's, it's just infinite, right? What you can do. And, um, and so we wanted to build websites because at the, you know, and even now the web is, is, you know, the most ubiquitous platform, but especially back in 2005, six, before the app store even existed, um, your iPhones really, uh, it was like, that was the thing to work on. And, um, but also back then there was not this, you know, crazy amount of great tutorials and whatever online yeah. to learn this stuff. So for our 13th birthdays, uh, we asked our parents for programming books. And these things were expensive. Like 100 <laughs> for bucks. your birthday? Yeah, because, I mean, they're like 100 bucks a pop. Yeah. You know, it's just like those, I mean, They, they teach them in college, so college yeah. books. Yeah, like, and so it was like, you know, we didn't, you know, we didn't, we didn't make money when we were like 13 or whatever. And we're like, all right, I don't want an Xbox for my birthday. I want these programming books. And I'm like, are you sure? And like, yeah. And so Albert and I learned together. And so we were like, I think it was like PHP and MySQL and JavaScript, kind of like the LAMP stack stuff back then. Um, and we've been building stuff and together ever since, like we built a whole bunch of projects throughout high school. We just, you know, we went on Craigslist. We were like doing software, uh, consult, you know, contracting for web apps and WordPress and that sort of thing at the time. And then we came out to Silicon Valley about, uh, 11, 12 years ago. And we've just been kind of building, building different startups and side projects and stuff ever since. Um, uh, both you and Albert the entire time, the entire time. Wow. Yeah. So he and I have just kind of built been building stuff literally ever since we learned uh, to code together. And um, yeah, can candidly, so like the, the first half of our time in Silicon Valley was like, it was, you know, we were, we were 18, 19. So we, we just, we went through a whole bunch of different ideas and we were building lots of web apps and, and none of them were really working. You know, do you have an example of some of the, that didn't work? <laughs> yeah. There's one, like we got pretty desperate. We got pretty desperate. And so at one, at one point we were like, okay, cause all we were doing was we were like, okay, we want, we want to solve a problem that we have. We never do anything other than stay inside of our house <laughs> and write code and write code. It's so really like, okay, so let's make an app. <laughs> let's make an app that, uh, you know, we got a lot better at branding over the years. And so this is one of the one of the failures of, uh, you know, that kind of led us to become better. But um, 
uh, we were like, okay, we got to get outside of the house. So like, let's create an app where you can like browse things to do and like, you know, whatever. And we're going to call it Outhouse, right? Which, you know, you know turns. It has built a bunch of so and and we applied the YC with the thing. We had, I think we still have the video. We look back and like, God, what were we thinking, you know? And um, but so that was just it was like we we went through all these ideas. We had some that were really cool. Um, and we and we but we what ended up happening right is so we were building tons of web apps and we were we needed to stay afloat. Uh, you know, we needed to pay rent, and so we would do, we would do some contracting to stay afloat and that sort of thing. But we ended up starting a site called Thinkster.io that uh, it basically this was back in twenty. 13 right when angular js hit the scene okay it was like you know or 2012 2013 and angular js was like that was like became like the thing everyone was rewriting their stuff to use angular js and so we had like kind of the foundational tutorial which is just like a blog we were making at the time got a ton of traffic and it's probably still the number one thing if you search like learn angular or whatever it's you know the number one thing and um and then react came out so we started like teaching stuff like that and so it, kind of at the peak of the thing we had a couple hundred thousand people a month that were visiting the site and we and we were selling courses on it kind of like egghead or, or yeah. linda or that sort of model um and it was like a, a you know very cool lifestyle business um but that's actually where stack Blitz popped out and as we were you know we were just kind of grinding teaching people, and, you know what did we know we knew how to build web apps because we were building a ton of them and, and not having a lot of luck on the business side but you know how we, we we were on the cutting edge of how to build stuff fast and in a high quality way and um, but as, as we were building things through the biggest problem we would have is that people would come and learn from the tutorial uh, and they would run in the same the thing. use case. Yeah, yes. exactly. And it was the same problem that Albert and I had when we were 13, which is like getting your dev environment set up is a nightmare because stuff just goes wrong. You know, it's like and things are inexplicably. You can follow the, the directions to a T and just something almost always goes wrong. Right. Regardless if you're a beginner or experienced. And um, so the same thing was happening with Thinksters. People were like, hey, I'm going through your React tutorial and React says I'm out of file watchers. And it's like that is like not React. You know, it has nothing to do with it. Yeah. And so that was like we we're like, why can't you just why can't we just have like a code pen type thing that runs these webpack loaders? Yeah. And, yeah and now and so that kind of led us down this path. Yeah. And um, you bring up code pen because like JS REPL. CodePen, uh, Replit had existed, but I think it was JS Repl, but uh, Replit wasn't even a company at that point. Yeah. So like there weren't a lot of options no. at that point. And like Cloud9 got maybe gobbled up in AWS or something yep. like that. And uh, there's a few other ones that just sort of fizzled out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you're like, no, we've got the we've got the idea. We could do this. Yeah, well, and, and we looked around because we we were just like, we, we, we were so, you know, laser folks. And we're like, I, we were like, we need to make this course because we got to pay rent next month, right? And like, and, we, and we're, we're getting slogged in support questions, you know? And so we were, we were just trying to like make a good experience. Yeah. And, um, and I was just looking around and I was like, how, like this has, someone has to have done this, right? Like someone, someone's way, because, I never thought I'd be making developer tools or IDEs or anything like that. Um, but you know, no one, no one had done this, and um, and and we were just like, this is, and that's, and we, the more we dug in, we were like, wait a second, like this is, okay, no one's done this yet because the web has just hit this point. Yeah, you know, and and, and we had also um, uh, met uh, a friend of ours from you know, I think probably in 2012, 2013 was uh, Dylan Field, the the, the co-founder CEO of Figma. Uh, Figma, yeah. And so we had spent time. I remember I was on the Caltrain with him back in like 2012 or 2013, and he was telling me about how he's making Photoshop for the browser, and I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't think <laughs> <laughs> 20 billion dollars later. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know if people are gonna you know use a web-based thing and can the web even do that and and he was totally right he's like the web's hit a new you know it's it's powerful like this webgl stuff like is changing the game for it and, and web assembly and i was like okay that's interesting and so all that stuff kind of came back to us and we we're like holy cow this might this this might be the moment actually for development where you could do that that same sort of thing 
Um, anyway, so it was like, it was like kind of this culmination of eight yeah. years of just kind of pain and learning, you know, and just, and just, you know, just, just having fun building stuff, um, you know, and, uh, and it just kind of came together. It was like, wow, this is actually, it seems like maybe right place, right time. Um, and we're just kind of, yeah, I'd say like, much. especially with your, with the web container stuff and web assembly, like web assembly, I, I've definitely watched a lot of talks and tutorials and Mozilla and all that they push to make this a thing. And like even Google's invested in WebAssembly. But it's like it was always like, oh yeah, that's that's cool. Like, good luck with that. Let's yeah. Just, like, kind of like your Photoshop and the and the browser thing. It's like, yeah, cool, cool idea, dude. Um, <laughs> but now it's you see more. Like, I was just talking to um, the founder of Fermion, uh, which is like WebAssembly meets Heroku meets like. Uh, I'm not selling his his product very well, uh, <laughs> but should definitely have him on. Uh, but yeah, it's it's crazy that 2019 is when you started the problem. And you just sort of knock down like the the next browser, the next browser, and now it's worse than Safari. Yeah, um, yeah. Just recently, so it's a company. Did you guys end up taking funding? Or have you bootstrapped this thing the whole time? We we bootstrapped it for a while, as long as we possibly could. And the problem with this is like, and then this is kind of the nature of deep technology plays is like, it, it, they're they're upfront expensive because because you're spending a lot of time on a giant science project that yeah. it, it either works. 100% or or it doesn't commercially, right? And so and so we try to bootstrap for as long as we could. And we got to a point where we're like, okay, like you know, it's this is about it about a, about a good as bad as as you could, you know. And, and I think that's a good time to raise money is when you when you're like we have done absolutely everything to to prove that this should this is like viable. Like here's this is this this is an investment. I mean, it could go either way. We've done about we have done as much as humanly possible without just hiring some great folks. Uh, a couple of great folks come on and just and just do it like that's you know what i mean um and 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 we we're also fully prepared to to fail at fundraising and go get jobs because we were like we gotta yeah. we gotta go one way or the other on this yeah. um and you know, fortunately we found some investors that that you know were were uh you know uh, at least as crazy as us or they were like you know what? these guys are nuts and or maybe they're not and you know either we'll find out you know um but uh, yes yeah, so we raised a seed back in 2019 um we've uh we've raised some more money since then recently we haven't announced anything but like um, but yeah, so we've been able to grow, uh, the company a good amount and like, we'd be able to actually commercialize it too and actually yeah. sell to like enterprise companies and that sort of thing. Um, so it's, 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 it's pretty cool to be able to actually kind of take something, you know, kind of, uh, maybe not all the way through to IPO yet or whatever have you, but at least you know, to take something like that off the ground is, um, it, it's, it's, boy, it's a lot of work. Um, like more yeah. work you can imagine and, and, and more rewarding, I think. Than, than I would have imagined too, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you, you came out here, which is like, wow, you, you all came out here at 18, 19 years old, building a bunch of projects, trying to figure out what the project that was gonna work, which was the project that you could build more projects with, yeah. which is Sackblitz, <laughs> which is kind of, in, in itself is like amazing story. Uh, but now you have the project that now enterprises can build projects with. So like totally. being able to, uh, the, one of the pain points I have in open source is like folks who are not on M2 machines, like ready to go, and install like the like every machine's different now, yeah. especially now with the M1, M2, and Linux and everything like that. So when I have a contributor come through in India or in Bangladesh, I don't know how to debug their machine. Like, but what we've did in open source in our, our flagship product is we have a, a button for stack uh, stack blitz. Oh, nice! So you can have a repeatable infrastructure that works out of the box and come help us whenever you want. 
And that's that's the beauty of the web, right? And that's yeah. and that was that that's what's so cool about it is that it's it it is the same thing across any device, yeah. right? And and that's and and it's just that you know and, and this is really the pitch of like WebAssembly. We're like WebAssembly. There's still there's still a lot of things that they need to land for it to be like to really start knocking down some of the heavyweight use cases. But that I mean that I think that's the beauty of it is it, it, it eliminates that issue of like. What it you know it works on my machine but not yours and you know or you know, whatever difference is um, it's that's such a powerful thing you know and, and that that is actually a big reason why enterprise customers like you know look at Stackman's go this is amazing because it it, it nukes that issue you know like we're yeah it, the companies will spend like sometimes six weeks getting their devs onboarded to their code bases yeah and and like one one customer of ours sat down they're like okay well let's measure how much value is this going to bring us right um, a prudent thing to do you know when you have, when you're going to purchase something. Thing, you know, to the tune of six or seven figures or whatever. And they sat down a developer and they're like, all right, so go get set up with like our production code base locally, measure how long it takes. And it was like two man days basically. And they're like, okay, all right. So now do that same thing in stack blitz. And it was like 10 minutes. And they're like, yeah. Okay. So we're going to, you know, it's like this ridiculously conservative estimate on it. They are like, we're going to, we're going to like, you know, conservatively, if, if each developer at our company opens Stacklets once in a given year, we're going to save a half a million dollars. And she's like, and they're going to be opening this like way more than one time per year. Right. Yeah. And, but it's that it's so valuable. It's so much better to just like have a thing. You just click and you know, anyway, so yeah, this yeah. is not, and this is like totally not intentionally a sales pitch for our thing, but it's just like, this is like, this is the value of Figma too. All these things are running. Yeah. Up, right. So. So, it, so I wanted to ask that too, as well, because like uh, I appreciate the pitch, because like definitely sell your product, like get people to sign up, <laughs> sign up for Stacklets, um, yes. <laughs> yeah, bring it to the enterprise. Uh, but also, there's other folks who have entered the space as well, like Coder, GitHub Code Spaces. Um, there's probably some other ones, but I'm not paying attention to the space. But you are, yeah, yeah. So, like, how are you different from all these other tools that are coming out? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it, it fundamentally, no one is doing the the in browser compute approach, right? Because yeah. like when you when you like, so coming back to that same company that I was just talking about, this enterprise company, they have like three thousand developers, um, you know, at that at, at at their company, and um, and so when they're looking at these online IDE things. Uh, often they're like the, the pitches because if you go to like Coder or Code Spaces, they're going to give you kind of something similar to the pitch I gave, right? And they're like, okay, they can one click, they can open it, and they're like, oh, that sounds amazing. And they're like, okay, we'll talk. Just how does it work? And then they go, okay, well, it works by like in your VPN. We're going to spin up VMs for every developer when they click a link. And they're like, yeah. okay, but like so, and we like how do we make sure that that's not and it's got VPN access to all our stuff? Yeah, it does. Okay. How do we make sure that they aren't opening something up that's just going to start wreaking havoc and pulling secrets? Well, you know, like you have to secure. Okay, so then they pull in their SecOps team. They're like, "What do you think?" They're like, "We hate it. Like, you know, don't. Yeah. This is you know." And so, and then they're like, "And also, wait a second. We're buying our developers two thousand dollars MacBooks, and then we have to pay by the minute for VMs, and their MacBook isn't doing anything. So yeah. it's just like all around. It's like doesn't make sense financially. The dev SecOps team, you know, the, the SecOps people hate it. They just do not want it. They rarely ever do the stuff actually get through." Um, and so for those reasons, it's kind of a no-go. Um, whereas with Stackless, it's, the, the, the answer is, yeah, like you guys have already approved the runtime. We're not selling you a new a new runtime yeah. that's going to be secure. Like you, you've already approved it. It's it's Chrome, it's Firefox, it's Safari. Yeah. This runs inside of that. And every time a developer clicks a link, they are opening browser tab and that's it. There's not yeah. some VM that's in your network that can just, you know, be doing supply chain attacks, right? Um, and also the, the, the security model of browsers is some of the best in the world. Like when you open a website, you are downloading untrusted code and executing it on your machine. And, and browsers, you know, have had de literally decades to, to be battle tested at doing that. And, and for 
the largest companies in the world to trust them at doing that. Um, and, and that's, that's a huge thing. Um, when you're again, when we're talking to companies that are uh, responsible for, I mean, literally trillions of dollars in transaction volume per day or month or year or whatever, um, like some of the folks we sell into are like, they, they are actually monitored by the department of Homeland security just because like, you know, these, the amount of volume they're doing is critical to just societal stability. And, um, so they have to take this stuff seriously. And so that's, you know, these other guys that, uh, they're running on servers, it's, the cost doesn't make sense. The security model is extremely unclear, kind of at best. Um, and the user experience is a lot worse because there's a lot of latency, right? Yeah. So, so that, that's that's kind of how we're, okay. you know, kind of compared against the the other stuff that's that's currently out there. Yeah, yeah. And I guess the the it goes to uh, to your investment in solving the right approach and making that front loaded investment of the deep tech thing. Yeah. Like, it makes sense. Like, I'm I'm sold. Like, I <laughs> I want to open up a browser tab. I've definitely used Code Spaces <laughs> for those same reasons, but also like spinning up a Code Space and having it on a, a VM that doesn't quite have the same URL. Like to be able to do um, do some front-end maps where you're testing, like you have an API and then you have a front-end server and you have to allow list the front-end URL, but if the URL is like vscodespaces.cdn.whatever.azure.whatever, yeah. uh, now I have to I have to now account for that so that way my, my, my server can talk to the front-end I'm just spinning locally yep. uh, in, in a code space. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's stuff like that, right? And, it's, and also, there's like the good use cases for like cloud-based, like cloud server-based IDEs is like when you're dealing with workloads that are so large that you need to parallelize it across like dozens or hundreds or, you know, like for Google, they were one of the first to build, they, they built their own in-house IDE called CIDR. And reason being is that they hit a problem, like Google's a giant monorepo and it was taking on an individual computer, it would take 30 compute days to make one, if you made one change to Google's monitoring, it would be like 30 compute days or something like that, right? Just your computer sitting there, you're sleeping, you know, a month later you get your change. And it was crazy. And um, and so what they ended up doing is they said, okay, so you know, what we're gonna do is we're gonna spin up, you know, thousands of cores, tens of thousands of cores and developers, as they make a change in this online IDE, CIDR, we're gonna fan it out and it's gonna be 30 compute seconds, right? You know, yeah. across all these cores. That makes a ton of sense. But yeah. but it's like, you need to be, web development workloads typically are not, you know, things like Veet and et cetera, like, you know, often it's like, hey, make the tool faster, you know, and then that kind of, you don't need to like, you know, spin yeah. it across 32 cores, right? <laughs> yeah, so what's the the world, I guess with WebAssembly, maybe you have the answer, but like now we have these new runtimes, which is like Deno and Bun and, uh, a bunch of other stuff that people are just messing around with. Um, does WebAssembly have an answer to that today? I think, um, well, I think, I think all of those support WebAssembly. Um, Got it. And, and so I think the idea for, for those is like, so right now we're still in this world where JavaScript, um, if you're, <clears throat> so you can't, from JavaScript, or you can't like, initialize a WebAssembly module that is an, another JavaScript engine and have the JavaScript, that engine be as fast as like the native JavaScript engine, yeah. right? You, you, you know, kind of yeah. see what I'm saying? And so the problem with that is that for the time being, having your having JavaScript as the native runtime is from a performance perspective is extremely ideal. And and that's the the, the biggest issue with WebAssembly is really performance related. And and, yeah. um, and, and, and the reason it's hard to solve is that Browsers have to take security seriously, like extremely seriously from day one. And that, it, it just takes a really long time to figure out how do you do, do this in a really secure way that's also gonna be really fast, um, that also 
everyone in the world is going to agree on <laughs> because, yeah. because you, you have to get Apple and Google and Mozilla and, you know, all these guys to agree on this stuff. And, and it just takes time. And, um, and so for the time being, so like things like Dino and Cloudflare workers, et cetera, um, you know, all these things are, are, are native, uh, you know, the, the, their native JavaScript, but you can instantiate WebAssembly modules for things that, uh, you know, are going to be more performant um, than it would be in JavaScript, like image optimization or, you know, kind of a, a number of those things. Um, but, um, but yeah, so I think, I think that Fastly is doing some interesting stuff there though, where they have actually, they have actually compiled SpiderMonkey, Mozilla or uh, Firefox's JavaScript engine to run as a WebAssembly module. And, and the runtime is still slower than what SpiderMonkey native would be. But what's super cool is that if they effectively do, like when, when you load in a JavaScript file into a web page, the browser does all this work of like parsing it, stripping it, turning it into bytecode, and then it's going to begin executing. And, and, t and typically you can't just like freeze frame all that pre-work and then yeah. just, and, but they did that. And so you can actually create a WebAssembly mode. You give it a JavaScript file, it gives you back this WebAssembly file that includes SpiderMonkey with it. And, but it includes your JavaScript file completely just, it's like, it's like if you could take a car and like turn the ignition and, and there's like the t -t -t -t, and then but right before the engine goes, you know, it's like just like that as a WebAssembly module. So it's like, it's faster, like faster startup time than you could ever get with any other approach effectively. But th that sort of stuff is the future. It's just going to yeah. be, it's going to be a while before the, the, after the, once it does kick up the, the runtime is slower than native as this is like very deep <laughs> random stuff but this, yeah, yeah. Just no, this is this is very interesting because like my <laughs> next question was like what's next for stack blitz is it like is there more waiting for you to see the web like get to where you need it to be or are you now you've got the product it works in these different browsers let's just go <laughs> i i think it's both yeah so i think i think for for javascript um we're able to leverage kind of the native speeds which is which is awesome um so i think for us from a stackblitz company perspective and like product perspective uh any web development stuff like we can do now and we have we we're you know we're just kind of beginning the journey there of like um making you know development workflows like really really fast and seamless etc for for web development and i think on you know it, it makes a lot of sense that we would do this for other languages though, like Python or Ruby or whatever yeah. have you. And, and that stuff. So we're part of a group called the bytecode Alliance. Yeah, and so familiar, they, yeah. yeah. So, so they, they, they've driven, um, like the web assembly standard interface, um, you know, a handful of other tools, uh, as well. And they're pushing the limits. And so it's mostly like browser vendors, kind of folks like us, et cetera. Um, they're a part of this thing. And, um, and so I think, we're, we're, what we're doing that's kind of helpful, I think, to that group is we're, web container is like one of the most sophisticated, you know, things to run inside of a browser engine. So we're often the first people that are finding bugs that would prevent, you know, a lot of these, you know, languages or new things to, to be able to work in the future. Um, like to, to do Safari support in the blog post, we, we outlined actually a handful of things that we caught and it's just, it's just like really low level stuff. Um, but anyway, so I think we're, we're, we're helping kind of, uh, get us there maybe a little bit faster. And then a lot of these, you know, these companies are, are investing a ton as well, um, to make this a reality. Um, so yeah, so I, I, we're, we're, we're kind of doing both, I guess is maybe yeah. is, is the short answer to your question. But, um, uh, but yeah, there's, <laughs> it's, these things are, you know, garbage collections landed at WebAssembly and, you know, there's other things landing. So it, things are, things are, things are moving along, you know? Yeah. That, I mean, this is really cool. I mean, I, I don't participate, like I'm familiar with the Bytecode Alliance. I've definitely toyed around with all these WebAssembly projects to do X, Y, Z and these open source projects. And 
I'm glad I get this benefit from it. Like from this experience that you're going through, <laughs> I benefit as, oh yeah, I'm just gonna add Stack Blitz to the repo because <laughs> it's gonna work. And I don't have to worry about whether you have Linux or whether you have a Mac OS M2 machine, it works. That, and here's the, the crazy thing too, is that actually helps us influence what like pu pushing the web forwards. Cause often, you know, um, like you know, with with Safari, they, they were missing just a ton of features when we launched web containers, and so and we made a list in our docs. Like here are the things that they need to ship for us for this to work, and um, and so people were embedding you know, began embedding stack embedding slack embedding stacklets in docs and whatever have you, and then people would open up the app like oh this doesn't work, and then they look at our docs, and then they would go tweet at Safari or email them or whatever, and uh, yeah, I think it uh, you know it made a lot of it made a huge difference because it, you know when developers kind of bang on the doors of browser vendors, they actually do listen. Um, and so, so as people adopt stacklets, they're actually in a very direct way. They're actually helping influence uh, browsers to uh, ship new APIs to make things faster, et cetera. You know, um, which is super cool because I think it's just it's just kind of fun because it's like web developers love the web. You know, they're, if they link to stacklets, it's helping the web actually improve and like find bugs and you know make the web faster and better. You know, so yeah, that's amazing. And then I was going to ask the the browser company like with Arc. Have you looked into that, like in getting Staplets to work with them? I think, I, I you know, I, 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 I might be like kind of a noob here. Uh, I think I'm definitely a noob on Arc. I know a handful of folks at our company use it. I think they use Chromium. I think. Yeah, I possibly. Know. Yeah. I think they, I think they, I literally have the download link in my email. Like I got the invite and I've never installed it. So maybe this week and I'll start using it. But I, if it doesn't work in Arc, let me know. Cause I, I think, I think they're using Chromium under the hood. I could be wrong, but, um, um, but yeah, all, all, all the Chromium stuff uh, works pretty well generally. Okay, so cool. it's like, you know, Brighton Brave does that yes. and Edge and et cetera. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, I think, I think we've hit all the major engines at this point. Cause it's the main, the main ones are like, uh, you know, Safari or WebKit um, and then, you know, uh, Firefox, SpiderMonkey and, uh, uh, you know, Chromium V8. Yeah. So I think we've, we've got full coverage now on those. So it's like. That, that's awesome. Like, it just seems like now, I, honestly, I think you're way more on the side of like, let's just go and let's see what this, like talk to a bunch of enterprises and see what happens. Yeah. yeah. And uh, perhaps you're already there. Um, but yeah, this is exciting. And I was appreciate you coming out and having this conversation. Folks, if you haven't tried Stackflitch, definitely try it out. Uh, you probably have tried it, honestly. <laughs> I feel like, in the, at least in the JavaScript ecosystem, and like if you're learning new tutorials, like they usually have the, the wall of links to, to leverage. Click the Stackflitch one. And if they don't, you know, ask that ask that project to add the wall of links for Stackflitch. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and stay saucy. The secret sauce of the podcast produced in-house by OpenSauce, the open source intelligence platform providing insights by the slice. If you're in San Francisco and interested in being a guest on the show, find us on Twitter at SaucedOpen. And don't forget to check out OpenSauce at opensauce.pizza.